Hi, this is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist and nutrition strategist, and you're listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, the show that explores how to heal yourself with food and the power of the mind. Hi, everybody. Welcome to what promises to be an amazing conversation with a very powerful healer, counselor, mentor, teacher, and friend in an interview entitled How to Truly Heal Eating Disorders and Addictions. Now, I have to say that that's an incredibly bold title, but I have known Roy Nelson and his wife, Trisha Greaves Nelson, for 10 years now, and I've watched the work that they've done and continue to do, and it's nothing short of miraculous. Personally, I have no patience for people who make bold claims without substance behind them, but Roy Nelson is not that guy. He's the real deal, a world-class healer, and anyone struggling with eating disorders and addictions should know about his work. Roy Nelson is known as the last resort for those who cannot stop their self-destructive habits. Living with a violent, alcoholic father drove him to pursue a life of distraction by any means possible until he conceded that his self-imposed hell was killing him. It was then that he had this profound experience that changed everything. Over 35 years ago, Roy cracked the code of his own, of his own addictive personality, and as a result, he lost 120 pounds and he overcame a myriad of addictions, as well as depression, panic attacks, and phobias. Based on his personal experience of total freedom, Roy developed the Nelson Method, a plan of spiritual healing that is designed to help people heal from their own personal hell, even when all other approaches have failed. Welcome to the Get Well Soon podcast series, Roy. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Oh, you're so welcome. Now, Roy, as an addiction survivor, you speak regularly about your journey from hell. Tell us a little bit about your story and, and let, what led you to do the work that you do today. Well, I guess the easiest way to put it, I, I almost died at birth, and then I kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of what happened, really. I, uh, I, uh, I was. We were. My family was very poor, and my dad was a, a drinking man, and mm. we lived. And uh, anyway, as it turns out, I was born at home, and uh, I was born, which is not uncommon for those days, but. Um, I, uh, I was born with the uh, umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and I was suffocating. Wow. And uh, so they almost lost me there. I was turning black and blue, and as you do when you're suffocating, and I guess. And uh, eventually, mm -hmm. eventually they saved me. But I'm telling you, from my, my whole life, I've been afraid, a very, uh -huh. very sensitive little kid and fearful, you know. And uh, <laughs> of course, I grew up with. In a tough place with some tough people and you know it was I just wasn't equipped for the you know for the life I was born into however obviously we you know it's all it's all in divine order but um go ahead I'm sorry I didn't yeah no it's okay it sounds like that when you when you come into the world in such a way you come in with struggle being your the thing that you you 
begin everything with. So is that something that you experienced over and over again? Well, you know, it really is because I, my whole childhood, <clears throat> I was afraid. I was, I was always in threat of, of physical violence from the very beginning, uh, mm -hmm. you know, from my dad, of course, and from the neighborhood kids. And those days, even teachers at school could, could beat you, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess there were threats everywhere. <laughs> I, every, everywhere I went, man, it was not safe. And, uh, so, you know, I was always looking for relief. I mean, I was just, I was just always, you know, I, I, you know, of course, the first addiction we always, most of us, uh, you know, experience is fantasy because that's, that's a way that we, when the here and now is so painful, spirit gives us the capacity to go there and then. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway, so fantasy. And then, of course, uh, you know, from then on, I mean, that, you know, masturbation and, 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 you know, of course, food. We didn't have a, a lot of times. We, we had food. We always had food. We never did go hungry. But a lot of, a lot of times we didn't have things that we would have liked, right. liked to have had. And so I started working when I was a very small child, various, various things, you know, selling newspapers, working in the bowling alley and farm work and various things. And a lot of that, you know, I didn't earn a lot of money, but the money I did earn usually went for junk food. Yeah, I bought my clothes. Uh -huh. I bought my clothes and my shoes and stuff, but I mean, largely a lot of, you know, anyway, always looking for something sweet, mm -hmm. something sweet. Of course, actually, yeah. another thing I didn't mention when I was, when I was a baby, actually, I was breastfeeding mm -hmm. and uh, I was malnourished. And so uh, my mother's doctor, mm -hmm. I suppose she was malnourished herself, but anyway, he told her to put me sure. on, put me on condensed milk and corn syrup. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And oh Lord, you know what, Roy, though, I've I, just from the nutrition books that I've read, cause that's a, you know, big part of what I specialize in right. is, um, they talk about how, uh, every alcoholic that they had ever, uh, surveyed had sugar addiction yeah. Yeah. in their childhood yeah. that, you know, they were the ones that were pouring, uh, you know, eating frosted flakes with more sugar on top of it. Yeah, that, was, that was definitely me. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was addicted to sugar before I even was weaned. <laughs> and, wow. uh, so that's, I was always looking for something sweet. And obviously, you know, that's, that was, and then of course I started smoking cigarettes when I was about 12 or so. And then I, I worked, always worked, always worked, always worked. And I, I left home when I was 14 and uh, for a job and and of course the you know the all the people I always worked with were, were a lot older than me the people my so all my associates were older and and the, you know the first women I was with were in their 30s and I was in I was 15 or something <laughs> you know so always wow. you know I'm just <clears throat> my point is I was always in over my head if you will uh, uh, and uh, went away to the army the day I was 17 and. Uh, you know, once again, I made rank pretty fast. So very shortly, the other sergeants were a lot older than me. And I was, you know, I mean, I was 18 and they were 30. They were old. They were like 35. <laughs> so, anyway, so always, always. And I got married when I was 20 to a woman who had a child. And, and mm. uh, we had a year and a half later, we had a little boy and then we had twin boys so by the time before I was 23 I was the father of four <laughs> wow wow so, so always in over my head <laughs> yeah exactly it sounds like it yeah. well it, you have 
obviously you've, you've talked to, touched upon very briefly, you've had several addictions mm. or in the past. So um, there was food, there was alcohol, there was sex. What are some other addictions that people might have that they might not be aware of? Well, there's a lot of very socially accepted, uh, acceptable addictions, you know, like very few, I mean, a lot of times if a person has the, the work addiction, you know, the, 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 and the family may be upset, but the boss loves it and all the, you know, everybody else, you know, looks up to him. So that, that was a big part of mine. I mean, once I, mm-hmm. once I realized, uh, once I started working and I first got out of the army, I was 24 and I didn't have anything. And I, first year was tough. And then I found a, a work that I could do that made, paid very well. And so then it was on. I mean, I was, you know, working and <clears throat> buying, buying a house and buying cars and buying this and that and something else, you know, and, uh, right. So spending and, and work, and of course the other big one uh, that's very socially acceptable is exercise. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, of course it's uh, a lot of people who are actually bulimic are using exercise to to try to overcome the the side effects of overeating. You know? Yes. And so this, but again, there's we're not here to you know to point the finger at anybody. Of course, it's just uh, and none of it's a problem until it's a problem. In other words. Yeah, a lot of people were ready for me to get help a long time before I was ready to get help. Yeah, (laughs) that's usually how it works. But, you know, you know, what's really important, I think, is is when you have this conversation and you just start talking about these things, then things start to click in people's minds like, oh, wow, you know what? Maybe I am doing too much of that. You know, my my family's suffering because I'm never here because I work all the time or, you know, I whatever it is. But in fact, could you just briefly define addiction? Because I think a lot of people are confused about there's sort of a fine line between, well, what's addiction and what's a problem? (laughs) Well, first off, no addict of any sort ever wants to believe he's an addict. Mm. I mean, trying to go confront somebody and say, hey, you're an addict. They don't, they don't want, people don't want to hear that. Uh, but what you, you know, what a person, you know, could do, uh, first off, you know, if, if a person, if you think you have a problem, if you think somebody else has a problem, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you can approach it for that matter. And, and you know, the definition of an addiction, most people can only see what it's doing for them. They can't see what it's doing to them. Oh, that's well put. You know. <laughs> And so, and so it, unfortunately, so many of us have to come to shipwreck before we're able to see what it's doing to us. Yes. Uh, but I will say this too, another thing, uh, very important to know, the addiction, the addiction is not the problem. The addiction is, is never the problem and nobody has just one addiction. The, mm, the, okay. the addiction is what we use to try to cope with the problem. See, the problem, okay. the problem centers deep within, <clears throat> excuse me, deep within. And uh, the problem centers deep within, and we're using a lot of different things to try to cope with that problem, that turmoil, that tornado we have going on inside. Mm-hmm. And okay. So, you know, it's, uh, but, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, it's just, once again, nobody can say if it's a problem until the individual sees it's a problem for them because no, you can't, the, the, the recovery process Mm -hmm. requires so much that nobody could do it for someone else. 
they try, certainly people do try, and they may seek it to beginning, in the beginning for someone else, but ult- right. ultimately they have to want it for themselves. Otherwise, no, yes. nobody would put themselves through the rigors of what they have to do to get better, you know. I see. Yeah, of course. Now, um, I, so speaking more deeply about addictions, what are some of the underlying things that you see are th- the actual problem? Well, <clears throat> invariably, every addiction has three components. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a painkiller. Mm. It's a form of escape, and it's a form of punishment. And every, uh, every addiction has the, those three components. And you see, as long as I had the pain, I was always going to crave the painkillers. And, mm-hmm. and that's why it's futile to try to deal. And you see it happening. In the, whole, the whole recovery industry largely is trying to help people overcome the addiction. But mm-hmm. the, the, the problem is much, much deeper, you see. And as long as I had the pain, I was going to crave painkillers. And if I... If you take away one, if you take away one, for example, oftentimes mm-hmm. people will switch over to something else. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> it's a you know, but as long as I had the pain, I was going to crave something to kill the pain. And mm-hmm. as long as I had the fear, I was going to crave escape. I was going to be looking for escape. Right. And as long okay. as long as I had the guilt and the shame, I would re- always require punishment. And every addiction has those three components. Okay. Um, and you, you brought up guilt and shame. And I know from the work that I've done with people that guilt and shame are two of the most dense emotions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and two that I think are, are sometimes the hardest for them to heal, to turn around, to, to release, you know, because I think I know in the work that I do, it's, it has a lot to do with self-forgiveness and learning to do that absolutely yeah i totally agree with you and yeah you know my, i think that's no yeah i'm sorry no no go ahead my experience is is as long as i'm harboring bitterness toward anyone then i will never be able to forgive myself and so this is precisely what my formula is about mm-hmm. is helping people to deal with the pain and deal with fear and deal with the guilt and the shame so that mm-hmm. so that they can so that they can make peace with themselves, so they don't require something outside themselves to try to to, to cope with what's going on inside. Right, right, and that sounds like it'd be incredibly important. So, in that vein, can you tell us some about the Nelson method? Uh-huh. Sure. Well, first off, it's you know people come to see me, and I, I actually have people come from all over and local, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's initially about connecting heart to heart and developing a, a bond, if you will, mm-hmm. that from someone who's been to the depths of hell and has been healed so that they can understand that they can be free. And a lot of times people are referred to me by their doctors or or different people, of course. You know, sometimes they find us in other ways. But, mm-hmm. you know, as long as, you know, I, I went to, 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 in my example for myself, I, at the end of my uh, process about being out there, I, I was, I was going to two doctors at the time, uh, <clears throat> a therapist and, 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 you know, these types of people, doctor, psychologist and a, a, another medical guy. 
And but I couldn't really talk to either of them about what was really troubling me because I didn't, I knew they wouldn't understand because they hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. with with this with me, there's not anything anybody could ever tell me about themselves that would shock me, and, mm-hmm. and there's not anything they could tell me that would cause me to judge them. And uh, so once a person realizes that, and then a lot once I've gained a person's confidence and trust. To, to know that there's nothing we can't deal with, and and, and then that's the beginning of of the, of the Nelson method is accept and accepting then that the the problem is much deeper than than the than the addiction that they're coming to see me about. Uh, beyond mm-hmm. beyond that, we start to do what I call the discovery work, <clears throat> and uh, discovery work obviously is is to determine. Uh, is to have them see more and more about themselves and their histories and their life and their family and one thing and another to see how they got to be got where they are in other words and then uh, and then if once they realize that they need a, a deeper healing a deeper solution a spiritual solution if you will mm-hmm. then is when we make that turning that turn to the toward the spirit and uh, and then after that we start doing the excavation work and Essentially, as you well know, uh, the entire problem centers in the subconscious mind. And mm. uh, what we're really talking about doing here is excav- what I call, you know, it could be called the soul or the heart or whatever. It's a, it's a soul sickness. And essentially what we're doing, uh, in, in a word, is we're unlearning. We're basically, we're excavating the soul, mm-hmm. excavating the soul sickness and dealing with all that buried pain and that buried fear and that buried guilt and shame and remorse and all that stuff that is in there uh-huh. is in there hurting us. Now, let me ask you something here. Uh-huh. Um, do you ever have people come to you that uh, they they don't believe in God? They're atheist and they uh, just but you start talking to them about the soul and the spirit and all of that, you know, like but they have a shift. And well, they suddenly get it. What, Has that ever happened? Yes, it happens all the time. In fact, it's it's easier to help someone who thinks they don't believe in God than it is yeah. than, than it is to try to help someone who thinks they do. Because <laughs> oh my gosh, when, that's because, such a good point. Because when they think they do, then they have a certain amount of ego and pride around there. They you know, and they think they're right. And obviously, mm-hmm. if they were right, they wouldn't be coming to see me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so fortunately, you know, it's, you know, I mean, thank God for me. Thank God for me. I knew I was a heathen, you know, and and God bless me. You know, I I I finally got hurt bad enough where I was willing to try it. I often thought, I'm telling you, out there in that wilderness, and I've got there for a long time. I thought many, many times how comforting it would be if only I could believe in God. But I already, I was way too smart. You know, there was, I knew there was no God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you, so you were one of these people yeah, is what you're saying. So, oh, yeah, I'm way, okay. I was way too smart. I said, man, if I just, if I just was, you know, when you may, when you're dying, you become open to things you wouldn't otherwise be open to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So basically, so basically there you were saying, basically, I'm going to outsmart God yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to just keep numbing myself and numbing all the stuff beneath the surface what clicked for you was there a a defining moment where you just something happened that made you understand that there's something greater than you that's guiding you and well i knew there was a lot of things greater than me but i didn't know any of them you know (laughs) 
I didn't know any of them loved me and wanted to care for me and protect me. And, you know, I and and at, at that time, <clears throat> this was a number of years ago, uh, and which was uh, a lot at that time. Some people were running a religious campaign of some sort, some Protestant movement. I'm not sure who they were, but uh, you know, they had these bumper stickers. And one day, when I, in despair, I called them, and I didn't think much. Uh, they sent me something in the mail, which I didn't think much of until that one night that I finally got to the place where I was in so much despair and I had used everything I knew how to use to make me feel better and only felt worse. And uh, I picked up this little pamphlet that said <clears throat> to the effect that even if you don't believe in God, if you ask him for help, he'll help you anyway. And uh, if you can imagine a big old 275-pound baby rolling out of his rolling out of his bed onto his knees, crying out to this God that he quote didn't believe in. Mm. And uh, I had so much guilt and remorse at that time that I I thought I was the absolute worst person in the world. And uh, I had a peace that came over me that night like I'd never experienced before in my life ever. And uh, of course that was only a beginning. I still had to grow up, and I. You know, there I was, 32 years old. I was 275 pounds. I was a father. I was a father, a husband, a homeowner, a businessman, a veteran, and and I had the emotional development of an infant. And that's where that's where I had to start from. You know, and wow. uh, so that's the beginning. I spent a number of years looking for people who could help me, <laughs> and I found a lot of good people. Uh, some helped me a little bit. A lot of people helped me a little bit, and a few people helped me a lot. But I could still never find anyone or any place that had everything I needed. So what I had to do is gather pieces from, from various people and teachings and things and bring it into my life, implement it, and use what I could use and discard which, that which I couldn't use. And then ultimately, that was the beginning of the <clears throat> what ultimately turned out to be the Nelson Method. It's certainly, I'm a product of my product, if you will. In other words, and it's, and it's all God. It's not me, but I'm just saying, you know, that, that I'm, I'm, I have been healed by the very means that I introduced to other people so they can be healed. Which is beautiful. You're paying forward the things that you learned mm -hmm. um, through your own spiritual journey, which is really lovely. So um, just, just touching back on the Nelson method here for a moment, um, we were talking about the the three three first parts of it. Right. Through first steps is a you bond with them. There's the discovery period, which is the history, and then the excavation. Um, is there something after the excavation well, that's part of the method? There is, and that's when we start to claim the expansive living. You know, that's where we start to to you know we're we're basically coming out of ourselves into into a new world. And uh, that's when we start to uh, to, uh, to to gain a, we gain a new perspective. Essentially, is what happens. Is you know, mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer says when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And that's what happens here. We get to see ourselves in a different light. We see the people in certain our lives and the people and the circumstances in our lives in a different mm -hmm. in a different light. Uh, okay. So it's yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So basically, you're helping the person also construct a new reality, a new way of living life. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm about. Is you know, so many philosophies are based on thinking your way into a new way of living, and mm -hmm. mine is really about living your way into a new way of thinking. 
And essentially, I teach people a new way of living that will lead them to a new way of thinking, which will, mm-hmm. which will lead them to a new world. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a beautiful way to do it. Now, just talking a little bit about uh, other treatment programs. I mean, we know living in Southern California, like the Malibu coast is just covered with treatment centers, exactly. right? I mean, there's, there's something, some huge number, like something like 50 of them along the coastline there. There's a lot of them, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of them. So, so we know the problem is huge and we know a lot of people are in 12 step programs. A lot of people are, you know, uh, friends of, uh, Bill Wilson or Bill Nelson. or <laughs> Friends of Bill. Yeah. Um, so we know that a lot of people are in program. Um, well, let me share. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. That's all right. No worries. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting talk. Uh-huh. I'm enjoying this so much. Um, so what is different about your program that, uh, that other programs aren't doing? Well, here's the important thing to share that I want to share with you and your audience is I'm, I'm in competition with no one, and I'm not here to bash anyone. And uh, if anyone can get what they need in any other means, by any other means, they should. Because I'm, a, in fact, I would encourage them to do so. I'm about helping people who cannot get the help they need by any other means, whether it's whether they've tried treatment centers and they've tried 12-step programs and therapy and one thing and another uh, or uh, you know or or in the other part is if they need complete privacy because TMZ is never going to know you're working with me if you come to me mm-hmm. and uh, but beyond that uh, <clears throat> you know we have a lot of those uh, in fact I'm working with a woman right now mm-hmm. whose doctor referred her uh, to me and she's got every kind of doctor and she can have you can have any kind of doctor you can imagine, uh, and uh, but we're you know able. And anyway, again, I'm not cutting on doctors either. I'm not cutting on anybody. I'm just saying mm-hmm. to you, this is I'm about helping people who literally can't get the help they need by any other means. Now, some people are in twelve uh, uh, step programs, for example. Back uh-huh. a couple of few months ago, the, the young fellow from back east uh, who was in who was sober for 23 years and had a big job and wife and baby and one thing or another, but he was suffering from other addictions and he came, mm-hmm. he came out and then to such a good effect, his wife came back out for her, for herself. So in other words, there, you know, there's, there's no, I'm just about helping people go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, uh, okay. whatever they've done or are doing, I just, you know, again, if they can get what they need any other way, then they should. Okay, that's great. That's great. So basically, you are saying that not everyone's a good fit, but that you'll talk to whoever it is and just make sure that it works for both parties. Well, it's, that it's the right thing. Absolutely, and that's the other thing too. And you don't need to go confronting anybody, telling them they're fat or they need a, you know, they're, <laughs> or they're, or whatever it is. You know what? What my experience, the best approach would be to say, if you know somebody who's hurting, nobody wants to think you're an addict. Right. But you can say something like that. I've, I've heard this fellow, or I met this fellow who's, you know, overcome all these things and who's devoted his life to helping other people overcome them. Who would be happy, be happy, would be happy to speak with you and visit with you. So, see, there's no, there's no threat in that way. And, 
<coughs> excuse me. So, and there's a different ways of approaching, but, you know, it's, uh, and we we cooperate with, with all people. In fact, this woman I'm working with now, I'm cooperating, we were visiting with one of her doctors this afternoon, and we spoke with her, another one of her doctors yesterday on the phone. So we cooper, cooperate with everybody, and, uh, oh, good. and, and comp- we're in competition with no one. That's great. I love that <coughs> whole idea. And that's how I love to operate too, is yeah. that it's just, it's a team of healers. Yeah. You know, it, it does take a team yeah. to help you that if somebody tells you that they're all one stop and you're going to get everything you need there, uh-huh. be a little weary, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, but every, everybody's experience is different. Everybody's path is different. Uh-huh. Um, the thing I want to talk about now is eating disorders. Uh-huh. Um, now, I know you work with a lot of women to help them heal their eating disorders, food and weight issues. And um, can you tell us some about that work and what what might be different about that than working, say, with other addictions? Well, uh, those of us who have, have eating disorders, uh, myself included, uh, you see, the, the eating disorder invariably started at a much earlier age than say alcohol and drugs or something like that. Uh, many of us have had uh, early childhood sexual experiences that uh, that caused us to, you know, to be confused about a lot of things. Uh, uh-huh. Now, is that something that you see a lot with eating disorder? Well. Uh, clients? I, I do. In fact, uh, it, it seems uh, in almost, uh, almost all across the board, uh, although sometimes, you know, a lot of times they don't remember something. So my experience is that, <clears throat> my experience is, is that the, the manifestation, a lot of times people have serious, you know, religious uh, problems that, that cause them, you know, to, to be terribly ashamed and a, about their sexuality, and so in other words, whether it's actual or or whether it's real or imagined, uh, we treat it, we treat it the same way. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, it's it's uh, again, once again, it, it's 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 another symptom of you know of of, of this condition, and and but again. It's not a, it's not a, it's not anything that can't be overcome. You know, that's that's what we know. I mean, there's really there's not anything that if a person is willing to face it honestly, in the light in the light of what we're doing and and by God's loving grace, there's not anything that can't be overcome. Okay. So so is there more that you would say about eating disorders and how they might be different? than other well you know the thing is if you've been obese uh which i mean i i have worked with a lot of obese people and i can you know people are prejudiced against obese people and so there's a whole new whole another level of rejection you know i can remember being on the golf course and a fellow looking at me from he was on another tee i was on the on the green or he was vice versa one of the other he was looking over at me. He did not know me at all, but I was morbidly obese, and I could see his contempt for me. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And so there's there's a lot of that uh, that goes 
you know, with that. And of course, beyond that, of course, is, is, uh, you know, it's just, but all at the same time, I've seen people fight harder to overcome a 10 pound, uh, 10 pounds than I have. And that's what often people become. Usually it's, it's a process. Usually somebody says they're chubby when they're young. And mm-hmm. so they start starving themselves to try to get approval. And then they, uh, and then they get hooked on that. And then of course, some of them die. A lot of them die. And, and I'm telling you, we visited people in hospital. We visited a woman in Philadelphia in a hospital who was on life support because she was so thin. She, she literally did not relate to the fact that she was going to die. Wow. Wow. Is that, she's so far removed from yeah, the reality yeah. of what's actually happening. Her, her doctor, her doctor asked us to come and visit her. And I brought a, a, a young woman who had overcome uh, anorexia by through working with me. Mm-hmm. And, and so she could share her personal, and I've been anorexic too, but you know, not to that degree, by the grace of God. But, um, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, but the, the woman actually could not relate to the fact that she was going to die. Another woman there in the same area, uh, back north of there, was actually was working on her doctorate at uh, Columbia in psychology, no less, and had been in 10 treatment centers in the last six years. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean. Wow. Now, were you able to help her? Is that something that she was, her, her body was so far gone? The biological system sometimes gets to a point where it's so distressed that it just can't survive to tell you the honest truth the saddest part is she wanted help but her husband was so threatened by the fact that she would get help from anybody but him oh he literally uh discouraged her from getting help and we have no idea what happened to her but assume that she probably didn't make it you know because yeah it's, it's an insidious condition and it's a family condition Yes, yes, because what you're touching on right there is the codependent relationship. Yes, and, absolutely. I mean, that, I mean, that's another conversation for another it, interview. It is, for sure, <laughs> you know, for sure. You know, but, enabling them to continue yeah, their, yeah. their addiction. Well, almost, almost in requiring them to, you know. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. yeah. But, and, 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 and so anyway, so a lot of times people become anorexic, and then if they don't die... Sometimes they'll lose they'll lose control. They can't. They can no longer restrict, and so they'll start overeating, and they'll become bulimic to try to cope with the try to uh, avoid gaining weight. And then, of course, down the road, they'll oftentimes lose control of that if they don't die, and they'll become 50 pounds overweight, and and they'll tell you that they've overcome the eating disorder, <laughs> but. What they're wow. they're eating to maintain a fifty pound weight loss, weight gain so they don't have to be bulimic. But again, I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just talking about the insidiousness, the dishonesty, mm-hmm. you know, that comes. Uh, the, the, it's just it's a severe mental illness, and and in my experience, can only be overcome through spiritual means. So again, mm-hmm. you know, if if they can find a way through intellectual or medical needs and, and that's wonderful but my experience is that there's no way on earth that I could abstain from all the things I need to abstain from except sweet spirit would remove my desire would remove my need my requirement for those things because left to my own devices I'm hopeless 
I see. And that's what you, that's what happened for you is that it removed the spirit removed your desire and then you help other people remove that desire by going through all of these steps that you've discovered. Well, you know, you can say it that way, but and, and the truth be known, what I'm really about is helping people get themselves out of the way so the sweet spirit within them can expel their obsessions and compulsions and cravings. Because I, I can't, you know, it's, it's Spirit is the only hope. I, I have no power. I have no, I have no personal power over my condition or their condition. I'm about helping them face the things within themselves that are blocking them from the sweet spirit deep within them that can heal them. Okay, and then and then when they are able, when they can finally have that moment where they step out of the way, then. Spirit can come in and, and do the healing it needs to do. Just so, but I've I've seen I've met a number of people who have worked with you and people that have worked with you years and years ago who are still great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're you know they're they're healed and they've been healed this entire time. Um, I you know I don't know what their personal lives are, but uh, they seem to be a very shining example of what of of what of everything that you teach um that there's a permanent and lasting change that happens well see, that's what i'm really trying to help them find is is once again is a, a new way of living that leads them to this new way of thinking which leads them to realize that they're worth taking care of they're worth better care than they had given themselves in the past they're they're worth their love and the respect uh, that they weren't giving themselves in the past. Okay. All right. Um, uh, here's another question for you. You you educate regularly on how to stop denying your desires. Can you explain what that means? Well, uh, and let me just backtrack just one second, if I could, uh, while, while mm -hmm. I'm, it's on my mind. As far as, sure. far as the cravings being removed, uh, my experience is that usually within the first visit or the second visit, at least, their cravings are removed. So it's it, it, because the important thing to understand that the, the eating disorder is not the problem. The eating disorder is what we're using to try to cope with the problem. And once we once we signal the subconscious mind that we're going to get some help then there's no longer a need for the eating disorder mm. <clears throat> because because once we, we, we you know, it's, it's the only thing the subconscious mind has any respect for, as you well know, or better me, that the only thing it has any respect for is action. And no idea what you have to say, it may, you know, what you say doesn't mean anything. What you think is only what you do. And, and if you, if you, if you're getting, if you're going to do something to get some help, the eating disorder will go away as long as you're getting the help. And if you, of course, if you stop getting the help, it'll come back, you know. But, um, yeah. and that's like me. I mean, I'm, by God's loving grace, I've been free for a long time, but I'm not cured. I'm healed, but, but, I'm, mm. but I'm not cured. And, and there's, you know, but, and so I have to, and, and there's nothing I can do enough of to earn what's been given to me. There's no mm -hmm. way, there's no way I can earn it. You, you know, you can't learn it, it it's grace. But on the other hand, I kind of look at it kind of like the farmer 
because the farmer's got to make all the investment. He's got to do all the work, <laughs> yet everything he does is not going to guarantee him the crop. Only God can provide the sunshine and the moisture and everything needed to germinate that seed and turn mm-hmm. it, you know, turn it into a crop. Uh, but on, on the other hand, if he didn't do everything he could do, he probably wouldn't get the crop. Right. Okay. So, I see what you're saying. So, so there's this maintenance that happens. There's this participation that has to continue to remain and become, I guess, the new habit. Well, it is. It is once again. It's a way. It's a new way of living. And it, but it's the thing is, it's so rewarding. Uh, you mm. know, because everything changes for the better. When, as you well know, when when we change, yeah. when we change for the better. Everything in our life changes for the better. Absolutely. You know, and, Absolutely. And, and so, uh, anyway, that's kind of the, the thing I want to get across. And it's just that <clears throat> everything changes. They make you get better. Everything's better. Better relationships, better better working conditions, better income, better whatever it is. You know, everything's better. Right. Okay. That's wonderful. And I think that's what everybody really desires yeah. is what the freedom on the other side of releasing the thing yeah (laughs) releasing the addiction releasing the eating disorder releasing what we think is really the problem but it's as you said it's not really the problem um so where can listeners find out more about you and and how to work with you you have a book can you tell us a little bit about your book uh love notes from hell i can yeah thank you well that book can be found uh at Amazon, it's a bestseller on Amazon by the grace of God. But it also, uh, you can go to my website, uh, RoyNelsonHealing.com, and on there there's a, a link to take you to Amazon to get that book. And then also on my website there's a there's a addictive personality quiz that might be helpful to someone. It's, uh, oh great! It's, uh, RoyNelsonHealing.com backslash quiz. That could be helpful. And beyond that, uh, you can fill out the contact us form, and uh, one of our people, are, our people are standing by, love, would love to hear from you, and we'll make arrangements to do a telephone interview uh, with you, and then uh, or Skype, depending on where you are in the world. And uh, okay, and that's that's a complimentary session just to kind of start a conversation ask, and say hey. Yeah, absolutely, and then. Uh, and so that one of our staff will be you know, happy to do that for you. And then we'll be happy to hear from you. And anything we can do to help, we want to. And uh, yeah, we, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Now you do offer, diff- you have different offerings too about your, um, uh, you have a program where people can come work with you for an extended period. And don't you have like a day program that people well, can like well yeah we do actually uh the 28 day program is offer a 28 day one on one face to face program here in Los Angeles uh, and uh people do come from all over uh, you know for that uh, mm-hmm. uh and uh, beyond that uh if uh if a person wants to learn more about it or as a precursor to that we do offer what my my staff calls it an afternoon with Roy. <laughs> it may be an afternoon or an evening, but we can set up a Skype uh, uh, call for, uh, you know, for a couple of hours or so, two or three hours, that we can uh, get to know each other better. If the person wants to use that as a first, uh, you know, step to move toward uh, getting the help. Oh, okay, I see. Okay, that's great. 
So you have some great offerings. Mm -hmm. You have great success. Um, <laughs> I've really met some amazing people, well, in including your, your wife, Trisha, mm -hmm. um, who I've known for as long as I've known you, 10 years. And she's just absolutely beautiful and, and has stayed thin and uh, lovely and uh, very centered and loving and caring. And, you know, all these things that you embody you've helped her embody and all the other people I've met that you've worked with it's just been really profound to watch the work that you've done with them so I really wanted to get your information out into the world so people uh, read your book again I'm just going to say love notes from hell it's on, available on your website at roynelsonhealing.com and then there's your quiz that they can take um, roynelsonhealing.com backslash quiz it's the uh, addictions quiz is that right yes ma'am exactly and also there's video of, of me and some um, and a few people who now i want to make sure people understand that i don't broadcast the names of people i've worked with <clears throat> but on my website you will find some videos of some people who wanted to be a part of the outreach and who i've who mm -hmm. i've worked with and who have volunteered to share their stories uh, uh, portions of their stories on video so there's some Certainly people can go to the website and, and watch some of the videos and and uh, maybe gain, a, a, a you know, some inspiration and some help there, too. Okay, great. Great. All right. So there's so many ways to get in touch with you. And uh, so you're very accessible and have great information. And thank you so much for sharing your story and the ways that you help people. And... Uh, I really, really appreciate ha having you here, Roy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Oh, you're so welcome. For more information, go to meghayworth.com to sign up for our email list, get your free copy of five anti-inflammatory on-the-go lunch recipes, and access to our private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening.